Well, welcome everyone to Love vs. Hate. My name is Anne, and I'm your old-fashioned nerd. And I'm Emily, our mainstream millennial. And on this podcast, Emily and I like to debate and argue about the things in life that we love and hate. And most of the time, we don't agree, but we always try to find some common ground. Yes, we do. And Emily, what is going on with your voice? I am sick. <laughs> oh, uh, Sorry. Yeah, I <laughs> got COVID, you guys. I finally got it, you guys. I'm so you excited. Let, you held out. <laughs> I really so thought since I went to Lollapalooza that I was invincible, but it turns out <laughs> you just have to go to a couple more K-pop concerts and then it'll get you. Yeah. So, it yeah. It happens. So you're basically just going to sound weird for like the next probably, what, four or five months? Yeah. <laughs> um, so sorry that I'm coughing and my voice sounds like this because I, I don't feel sick anymore except for I have this awful cough and it makes my voice sound different. So um, Anne's taking one for the team today and she's going to talk my ear off. Yes, I am so excited too, because this is a topic that I definitely can talk a lot about. And I hope it's more, it's going to be a little bit more educational today. I mean, I want Emily to give her opinion and I'm going to ask you some questions, not too many. We'll try and spare your vocal cords, but um, I'm excited because we are continuing sort of like the space theme, you know. All of you who've been listening probably know that I absolutely love space and Emily hates it. Mm-hmm. So I'm just, I'm going to continue to subject you to more space, not only fantasy, but also real world. And that's what we're talking about today. I wanted to, you know, and this was a while ago, this was about a year ago, but we recorded an episode about the Mars rover, the Perseverance rover. And I kind of talked a little bit about the history of the Mars rovers. Today, I want to talk about the history of the human, like human space travel, because I realized in that episode oh that Emily gosh. has no idea oh my <laughs> what gosh. humans have done in space. <laughs> Embarrassing. <laughs> if you remember, Emily. <laughs> oh, I remember. I don't remember much from that episode, but I do remember that. You remember being like, wait, wait, are there humans on my... <laughs> I mean, to your credit, I... I get where you might think that just because it has been in the news lately because, well, I'm going to get to that. I'll get to that. I'll get to that. But anyway, so I want to go over the history of human space travel. So to get us started, I need to take you back to 1957. So 1957, this is 12 years after World War II. West Side Story and The Music Man are opening on Broadway. Elvis Presley is big at the time. He's in uh, Jailhouse Rock, had just come out. Uh, My mom was born in 1957. (laughs) Fun fact, you know. Hey, Joan. And something else really important happened that year. Emily, do you know? Do you have any idea what that might be? Something space related? Something space related. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) NASA was created. Ooh, good guess, but no. Really? In 19... Really? I'll get to when NASA was created. But in 1957, NASA was not a thing yet. In 1957, the USSR or the Soviet Union launched the first ever satellite into space. And it was called Sputnik. Oh, I've heard of that. You have. Okay, I was going to ask. I I was hoping you had at least heard the name. Maybe didn't really know what it was, but knew it was like some part of history. And this was unprecedented. I mean, this is the first time we've ever launched anything into space at all. Um, And this was going to pave the way, I mean, for technology, for cell phones, for GPS systems, the internet, like all of the technology that we have today is really like you can track it back to when we launched Sputnik. Well, I should say the Russians, (laughs) not me or the US, but when the US, um, when the Soviet Union launched Sputnik. And, um, and, you know, this is, keep in mind, like, this is the Cold War. Like, this is kind of in the middle of it. So America and the Soviet Union and kind of East-West, like, there's a lot of tension that's happening right now. Both parties have nuclear weapons. So there's kind of that, like, are we going to, like, launch them? Are we not? And, like, I, I, my mom, you know, she grew up in the Cold War. And she would tell me about how they would run, like, nuclear drills, you know, where you hide under your desk. And just like we would run fire drills, like, they would run, like, air raid drills. Mm. Like, that's that was, you know, a reality for people. 
There was a lot of unrest in the world, like there was the Korean War, the Chinese um, Communist Revolution. Uh, just a few years later, in 1962, the Cuban Missile Crisis, the Vietnam War, a couple years after that in 1964. Like, this is... A lot going on. A lot going on. And there's a lot of tension. And so they launched Sputnik. And really, like, for the focus of this episode, I kind of want to focus on what this sort of means in the context of what we're talking about. When Sputnik was launched, there were kind of two big things that this meant for America. One, that this was the launch of the space age. Like, okay, suddenly we have the technology and the ability to go to space. So space age is launched. But then two, America and the Soviet Union were now in a space race. Like, who was going to dominate this new opportunity, this new age of space exploration? Like, was it going to be the Soviets or was it going to be the U.S.? And with the launch of Sputnik, this really solidified just the idea that the race had started and America was losing. <gasps> We're losing bad. <laughs> and we don't like to lose. We do not. Yeah, if there's anything you know about Americans, we have a lot of pride and we do not like to lose. So in comes in 1958, so only a year later, you won't too far off, the birth of NASA. <gasps> Wow, I'm so proud of myself. Yeah, you were close. You were close. NASA's born in 1958. And really, it was in response to Sputnik. They were like, um, we have like... Well, we got to get going on <laughs> exactly. this. Exactly. Yeah. And that's and you'll kind of see how this competition and this idea of a race and who's going to dominate, you know, space exploration, that was a massive fuel for why A, NASA was even born, but then also B, how it got so much funding. Because <laughs> we'll get into the numbers a little bit mm. later. But um, yeah, so NASA is born. Do you know what NASA stands for? No. <laughs> don't you don't, you don't want to take a guess? She ain't <laughs> close. You know, a for that's effort. what it stands yep. for. <laughs> to be fair, I actually did have to look it up because I didn't know either. I was like, national. Something. What does it mean? It stands for National Aeronautics and Space Administration. Oh yeah, I've heard that definitely. Don't lie. You haven't heard that. <laughs> yes, I have. Okay. <laughs> I just automatically assume. I mean, I, I feel like I had probably heard it at some point, but like I had to look it up. I forgot even. But I just you just know it as NASA, like it's NASA, you know. But anyway. Yeah. Um, before there was NASA, there was actually the National Advisory Committee for Aeronautics. So NACA. So basically, the NACA, they were more like aviation research, uh, more so than like space. They were focused more on developing like planes for World War II and that kind of technology, like kind of right as the war was hitting. So, you know, they kind of had some, you know, they have, had knowledge of engines and stuff like that. So like they were kind of a little bit of a launching point, but really NASA was kind of working a little bit from the ground up, like a little bit from scratch. And they got to work quick because they were behind. And so um, they immediately got to work on getting people into space. One of the first manned missions that they started was the Mercury program. Uh, and uh, despite their their best efforts, unfortunately, um, the Soviet Union would beat them again. Can you guess at what they, they beat them at? Uh, rocket launch. Yeah, basically. They, they were the first to also not only launch Sputnik... But also get the first man in space. His name was Yuri Gagarin. Oh, yeah. So that was a that was a little bit of a blow. They didn't they didn't beat him in that. But they were gonna they were gonna keep going. Um, but the Mercury program basically the goal was to get a man into space. That was the goal of the Mercury program, and they they were able to do that. Um, the first American astronaut who was went to space was Alan Shepard. Shortly after that, John Glenn was the first American to orbit the Earth. Um, and if you've seen Hidden Figures or First Man. That's that's John Glenn's story. Have you seen Hidden Figures? Oh, no. Ugh. I don't like space. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> yeah, but even if you don't like space, you could still enjoy the movie. It's history. Ugh, Ugh history. Boring. <laughs> There's just no hope for you. I, well, hopefully you don't like fall asleep during the rest of this episode. <laughs> You'll never know unless I just stop talking yeah and then uh, and then you'll I'll just hear like slight wheezing because <laughs> you're, you're sick um 
But anyway, for our listeners who have seen those movies, First Man, which stars Ryan Gosling and also Hidden Figures, um, that's John Glenn's story about getting him to orbit space. Because that was that was really important. Like, you know, all of these programs, there was Mercury, there was Gemini. Um, they were leading and testing all these different things to get a man to the moon. Like all of that was kind of the goal. So like I said, after the Mercury program, there was Gemini. Um, during the Gemini missions, they also, that was the first time an American did like a spacewalk, you know, where they were in a suit just hanging out in space, basically, with no, nothing around them. So a part of me like wants to try, like, I, part of me wants to experience that, but another part of me is like, I think I would just die of terror, <laughs> like to have nothing, like no ship, just like floating in space. Yeah. Yeah. That, that doesn't sound like fun. Now, see, this is my thing about space. I love learning about it. I'm just, I love all the fantasy and sci-fi stuff, but I just, I'm going to stay on Earth. (laughs) I'm comfortable here. Yeah. Um, But you'll notice uh, if you were paying attention that I was saying a lot of first American, you know, first American to get to space, to go to orbit. And that is because despite all of these accomplishments and how fast they were moving, the Soviets... They were doing it first. They were the first man, moonwalk, orbit, all of it, they were doing first. Um, And so this ultimately meant that there was only one way that we were going to win this race. And that was to be the first to the moon. Oh. And so thus launches the Apollo missions. (gasps) (gasps) Do you know anything about the Apollo missions? I've No, but I've heard of it. You heard of Apollo 13? (laughs) Yes. You've heard of... Do you even... I have a question for you. Do you know which Apollo Who is Apollo? (laughs) Apollo was a... Was he a Greek god or a... Greek, I think. Right? Was he Greek or was he... What's the other? Roman? Yeah, Greek or Roman. I'm pretty sure he's Greek, though. Hmm. Because I think he Um... was... My question was, well, my question was, um, do you know which Apollo mission landed on the moon? Like, do you know what number it was? Hmm. I'm going to tell you in a little bit if you if you don't know, but <laughs> I was just curious. I'm going to guess it was the third one. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, we'll keep, uh, I'll keep going and we'll see if your guess is right. Okay. May... 25th, 1961, Kennedy uh, tells Congress basically that we're going to put a man on the moon. There's a famous speech from Kennedy, you know, where he's like, in this decade, before the end of this decade, we will put a man on the moon. I do a terrible Kennedy impression. Um, <laughs> but there, you can, if you look it up, like anywhere on YouTube, any documentary about space, you see this speech because it's infamous because he, he really put like a hard shot clock on this like basically he gave this speech in 1961 and he's like in before the end of the decade so in like nine years we gotta make this happen and like that's just it it actually blows my mind when you start to think about it because the technology at the time was very limited like if you watch hidden figures like the whole point of that movie is it's about human computers like they didn't even have calculators they had people doing all the math like we didn't have that for them I know like well it's just it's mind-boggling like what they were able to do with the technology that they had and it's just they didn't even have calculators like oh my gosh <laughs> just blows my mind that's a lot of work so much work um which is again why i recommend watching hidden figures because you get a sense of like the technology and like what they had to do to get even just to even get john glenn to orbit the earth was a massive task and now, you know, he did that in like the early 60s. And now Kennedy's like, yeah, in 10 years, get a guy to the moon. And they're like, we just got a guy to orbit the Earth. Like what? So anyway, hmm. the Apollo program, it is launched. Um, we're going to get into the numbers a little bit uh, because the Apollo program to this day is one of, if not the most expensive American scientific program ever that we've like ever done. Um, it cost $20 billion at the time. In the oh 1960s. How much do you think 20 billion in the 1960s is equivalent to about today? I don't know. Some trillion amount. Not quite trillion. $236 billion. This is this is just going to make me angry. <laughs> angry? And I know. It's like that one, that one group that you like that was like, give us money and we'll make a show about it Critical or something. Role. Yeah. Like, I, I had a feeling... 
All this money is spent just because they want to be better than the Soviets. Yes. The Russians. Like, why? Yep. Why? Yep. I just We're- I just can't. <laughs> Think of how much we could do on Earth with that money. But no, let's just blow it up into space instead. And, and the thing, you know, the sad- Just for bragging rights. Pretty much, honestly. And like, I mean, that's why you start with this. I mean, you can't talk about the history of the space age without talking about Sputnik because, you know, it's the start of it all. And and it really was like this, this drive, this competition is really what drove all of this innovation, all this technology, all this development was just this, this competition to be who's better. Um, and I had a feeling you were gonna, <laughs> not going to be happy about that. Um, and you'll see in a little bit, you know, I'll kind of get into some of what is kind of happening today. And, and a lot of it deals with how much money it costs because to send like one astronaut to the moon costs $236 billion in today's money. Like that just, we don't have, we can't do that anymore. <laughs> so um, it's ridiculous. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, well, like I said, we'll kind of get into what's happening now, but, um, but yeah, so, um, you know, and I mean, at the time, like, you know, they needed to make bigger rockets, like the rockets that they sent to the Mercury and Gemini missions, you know, they could support a capsule that hold, held one person, but we needed to send three people to the moon and we needed to have a lunar lander and a capsule. And like, there was a lot more. So they had to develop bigger rockets and the Saturn one rocket and then eventually the Saturn five, um, which is actually on display at the Kennedy Space Center, the Saturn five rocket. And it's just it's just it's so massive. Like it's, you know skyscraper tall and like i don't know how they sent this thing up into space it just it all blows my mind see this is why i get excited is because it just blows my mind that they were able to do this and like there's a certain endearing you know just adventurous spirit that i just like it's it's addictive to me like how did they do it anyway i digress we'll continue So, um, tragically, um, the first Apollo mission ended in failure and killed three of the astronauts. The command pilot, Gus Grissom, senior pilot Ed White, and pilot Roger um, Chaffee were destroyed uh, in the command module that they were developing. Basically, what happened was they were doing a test. They were testing a few things, and they were, like, you know, in a controlled environment, Um and the one of the wiring like kind of short circuited and caused like a slight spark. And at the time, like their air that they're pumping into this capsule is like basically pure oxygen. And so that spark just instantly lit a fire. And at the time, all the material that they were using was like this thin nylon material that was flammable and it caught fire. Uh-oh. And uh, the pressure inside this small capsule was so strong that they couldn't get the doors open and they burned to death, unfortunately. Ouch. Um, yeah, it was it was really bad. Um, and uh, th- that was a major lesson from now on. If you know anything about NASA, nothing is flammable, <laughs> like not a thing. They make sure nothing is because fl- like fire in space is like pretty much the worst thing that can happen um, if it's not controlled. Obviously, we need rockets and, you know, those are fire and stuff. But like if it's not controlled, mm-hmm. that's one of the worst things. And so unfortunately, like this tragedy happened. But I, I kind of think. You know, this was a huge blow. I mean, it was such, it was just awful, awful tragedy. And, um, but after that. What year was that? Because is this all happening still between 1961 and 69? Yes, it is. Yep. And so Apollo 1, um, that was in early 1967. Um, So, kind of the early 1960s is when they were doing the Mercury and the Gemini missions. And so now the first Apollo mission, we're kind of moving into 1967 and um, we're starting to run like kind of more specific tests to, okay, how are we going to get these men to the moon? Well, they better hurry up. They only have a couple years left. (laughs) Well, (laughs) that we know. Yeah, obviously. Um, But uh, I think, you know, with the, the tragedy of Apollo one, I think in a certain way, it really, sort of solidified in all the minds of the people who were working on the project to the other fellow astronauts that there's like no turning back now like we can't let these men's death be in vain and so no matter what like where this is happening like we're gonna make this happen so july 1969 the absolute <gasps> unthinkable happens we land on the moon does it work it worked. Apollo 11, by the way, not three, but Apollo oh. 11 
with uh, Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong. That was the um, that was the mission that first landed on the moon. And it just it blows my mind because we we sent them into space with computers that aren't they they're like not even a fraction of what our cell phones can do now (laughs) like our cell phones are more advanced like that cell phone in your pocket right now as you're listening is more advanced than what they sent the you know three men up into space with (laughs) it's just it's just crazy is this their second attempt or their 11th so it's a good question so um this is technically actually their first attempt so all the other apollo missions were just either various tests that they needed to run so each time that they wanted to you know like one of the um missions was to launch into space and to determine because they determined and again i don't know all the details of how all the math works but they somehow they wanted to launch into space with the lunar lander facing one way but then when they got to space they wanted to turn it around so they, one of the Apollo missions, they sent them up with the sole goal and the sole purpose of, okay, once you're in space, can you successfully turn that lunar lander around and redock it with the capsule? And so that was a test they had to run. So that was one Apollo mission. Okay, test successful. Great. They brought the astronauts back down. Next one. And so all of it was, le- they knew that Apollo 11 would be there. Their one attempt uh, to get there. Oh. Yep. And so, yeah, it was incredible. Um, obviously, we beat the the Soviets. Um, they actually, I didn't know about this, but in my research, I realized. Um, so in July, the same, like pretty much the same exact time, you know, the same month that we landed on the moon, the Soviets had a major setback. Uh, one of their rockets, the N1, exploded and destroyed two of their launch pads. And Uh-oh. that was... Yeah, it was that was bad. That's a lot of money down the drain that they now have to rebuild. Not only that, but the Americans were already on the moon. And so pretty much at this point, the space race was over and the Americans won. Um, I bet they're pissed. (laughs) Oh, yeah. The Soviets. Well, (laughs) you know, I mean, they they were, you know, Sputnik and like they they had made their mark, you know, and like they, you know, but they probably were pretty upset. I would, you know, I'm competitive. I would have been upset. (laughs) But. I guess how you depend on how you judge the race. They could have, like, if the race was just to get the first satellite like they won. But, you know, anyway, Mm -hmm. (laughs) the space race was over, but the space age had only just begun. Oh, great. (laughs) We'll we'll move through the rest of this kind of quick. That was my, you know, I mean, getting to the moon. I mean, come on. That was just, that was such a major achievement. And after that. um, Wait, wait, wait. I have a question. Yeah, yeah. What'd they do when they got to the moon? So um, they ran a few experiments. They planted a flag, for one. If you see footage and photos, that was their big thing. They had to, you know, claim this for America. <laughs> um, although we don't we don't have claim over the moon. I just want to clarify that. We don't, we don't have We don't own the moon. <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> but, you know, we, you know, staked our flag. Um, but, yeah, they just, they ran some experiments. They had, like, a... Um, you know, they collected some rock samples. They, you know, jumped around, tested some gravity stuff. I don't know all of the things they did, but I, I, I just know they basically like got some experiments and did that. They didn't How long stay were they there? Long. Not long. They were only on the moon for a little over two hours. Oh my yeah. Yeah, not long. The, their main thing was to just, you know, get there, take photos, you know, woo, selfies. <laughs> um, they oh collected. Oh my gosh. What? This makes me more upset. <laughs> they were there for short, such a short time. That's like that's like if I took a trip to Europe and I only stayed for like lunch and then went back home. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, and and keep in mind the trip cost two hundred thirty six million dollars. Yeah, like what? No, yeah. they yeah. better be staying up there for three months. Take some more collections, okay? They don't have they don't have the resources. To you better be making a good long. TikTok up there. <laughs> I mean, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. I mean, come on, that's that's pretty no. iconic. You know what that is, right? Not iconic enough. I don't know who said that. Do you know who was the first man on the moon? Yeah. <laughs> what was his name? Bruce. <laughs> Right? Uh, no. Buzz, his name, I mean. His, um, his name was Neil Armstrong. Oh. And Buzz. And Buzz. Yeah, Buzz was the second 
person. You know, he's still well remembered, but Neil Armstrong was the, there's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Is my uh, Neil impression better than my Kennedy impression? I don't know. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Uh, so yeah, they basically, they collected some rocks and then they were like, yo, we gotta, we gotta head back. Uh, they're, um, they were like, let's bounce. They were like, yeah, we got bounce. Like we, we have a short timetable here. Um, and the third person who was, uh, on the mission with them was Michael Collins. He, he was in the command module that was doing a lunar orbit. Um, so he was up there, which I, I kind of feel for the guy, like, you know, he didn't get to quite land on the moon, but like he was there. <laughs> But, you know, he hasn't, like, you probably never heard his name. You know the name Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, but, like, nobody knows Michael Collins. But, anyway, history oh, will remember Justice him. for Michael Collins. <laughs> he needs to be remembered. Let's name this episode Michael Collins. <laughs> just for him. Um, uh, also, just to kind of wrap up the Apollo mission. So, after that, there would be uh, six more missions to the moon. Uh, ending with Apollo 17, which was in 1972, um, resulting in a total of 12 men who walked on the moon. Um, of course, the only of those other than Apollo 1 that failed was Apollo 13, which if you haven't heard of that, I'm surprised. There's a very famous movie with Tom Hanks about it. Um, but basically the Apollo 13 mission, we won't go into a lot of it. Just watch the movie. It's phenomenal. Highly recommend. Um, and it's all true. It's just, it's a phenomenal um, survival story. Uh, but basically, while they were on their way to the moon, they had um, their uh, capsule had like a, a failure. Um, they, tr- they like stirred oxygen tanks and somehow that caused problems. And ultimately, like they had to fight to try and even make it back alive. And luckily they did um, with the help of NASA and with mission control. Like they it was just this like crazy scramble to try and keep these astronauts alive. But uh, for sure, once that happened, they knew that they weren't going to be trying to make any landing attempt like they just needed to get them home alive. Um, so that was the only mission that failed. But otherwise, 12 men walked on the moon. All Americans. And why? Why did they do it again? Just because Uh, more people wanted to do it and we just felt like having a little spending spree? Ooh, salty. I mean, at that point, you know, I think there was just there was such um, a fascination for it. You know, I mean, this was an amazing achievement. Um, And I, you know, they already had the money. They already had kind of plans like in place. So they wanted to collect some more rocks, get some more research because all of it, you know, again, to kind of pave the way for what does space exploration look like? Like this was the first step. We got to get to our moon. You know, the thing we can see in our sky every night, like, let's get there and then let's see what what's beyond. So that was kind of the, I think they just needed to get some more data. Some more rocks. More, more rocks. Because they didn't get enough on their two hour excursion last time. Oh yeah. my God. <laughs> no, I can't. Um, I had a feeling you weren't going to like all this, but. It's like, it's like me. If I'm ever a mom, I'm going to be like, if my kid like ask for ice cream i get them ice cream and they all need a bite of it and then they come back and they're like can i have some more ice cream i'm gonna be like uh because you didn't eat it up last time no you can't have any more ice cream (laughs) either eat it all in one go or not none at all yeah oh my gosh this is upsetting don't tell me anything else upsetting okay Anne. oh okay you're gonna you, you have more upsetting stuff don't you I do. Oh, great. But I will say, so, okay, so Apollo happens, 1972, the last Apollo mission runs. And after that, people were like, this is this is too much money. Like, sending these astronauts is just getting ridiculous. It's just, it's billions of dollars. Um, and really, and like, kind of like you were saying, like, there's not, not necessarily a strong need anymore for it. Like, we proved ourselves, we've done it, hooray, like, let's stop. <laughs> um, so in 1972, um, right as the Apollo missions were wrapping up, um, they actually announced a joint mission between the Russians and the American space programs. Um, and this would be called Apollo-Soyuz. I don't know if I'm pronouncing Soyuz quite right, but basically this ultimately kind of paved the way for the International Space Station and kind of this idea that, like, let's take these space agencies and let's actually start working together. Um, and so even though we had this big race 
ultimately it led to um, the Russians and the American space agencies, at least maybe not other governmental bodies, but uh, (laughs) the space agencies were like, let's work together. And we were all like, yeah. And ultimately, I mean, the International Space Station, I think, is a testament to how we can work together. You know, our governments might disagree on certain things or how, you know, you should run a country. But ultimately, like once we get to space, like there's this level of ownership that like, okay, we're just we're humans. We're humanity. Let's own that as like, you know, um, let's be really let's just all work together in that kind of goal. Um, So I think there's like Mm -hmm. kind of something something endearing about that and the international space station but anyway so that starts getting built um that's starting to you know go to space and ultimately so after the apollo missions wrapped like we were still sending people to space but the main goal was to either a like maybe fix like the hubble you know at that point was going up um and if the hubble needed some attention or some maintenance on um, the international space station the skylab um that was actually before the international space station the skylab was kind of like the first sort of idea of like hey let's put something in space and really the goal of the international space station was like let's run all these different tests that we can't run on earth cuz here we're in zero gravity um, and here we have like the, you know, the fact that the Hubble is like outside of our atmosphere, like the amount of photos and stuff that it can take is just, you know, like nothing else we had ever experienced. And so it's all in the in the hope of advancing our space knowledge. Um, and that's kind of the goal. But to get astronauts from Earth to the International Space Station, do you know how we did that? Probably not, but just going to spent more toss money. <laughs> Well, yes, but we were like, okay, how do we make something that's reusable so that we're not spending as much money? Uh, And that led to the shuttle program. The rover. Oh. No. (laughs) No, the rover. I was trying to think of space terms that I knew. Oh, I'm glad you remembered. No, it led to the shuttle program. If you saw a picture of a shuttle and the shuttle program versus like what the Saturn V rocket looked like, you'd understand the because the shuttles are like you see basically. I'm gonna look it up right now. Okay, yeah, do it because that'll help you, uh, listeners. You can do that as well. Otherwise, I'll try and give you a ver- uh, visual reference. Basically, Uh-oh, all that's there's... coming up is limo services. <laughs> <laughs> look up space shuttle. Oh, got it. <laughs> Sorry, I should have specified the space shuttle program. Um, But basically, there's a kind of airplane-like vehicle that's attached to a giant orange rocket with a couple other little rockets next to it, and it, choo, up into space. Got it. Got it? So the idea was the shuttle program. Okay, what am I comparing that to? So if you were to look at the Saturn V rocket, which is what took the astronauts to space... Um, that is just one lawn. When you think of a rocket, like that's what I personally picture. It's just like one lawn rocket oh. tube. And it's just one thing. And then the very top of it is the capsule and that detaches and it launches, you know, that the astronauts are at the very tippy top and it launches <gasps> them into space. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. But the shuttle program, the idea basically was let's attach this detachable you know, basically airplane, ship, um, and it can go into space and then it can come back down to Earth and it can land just like an airplane does and then we can reuse it, you know, and we should launch it up, send it back down and reuse it. Because before the capsules, like, you know, they were, they would like land in the ocean and like you technically could reuse the capsule, but, you know, the in, in both scenarios, the shuttle and the rocket launching, the Saturn V, the, the rockets would get destroyed in the process. Like, they detach and they burn up in the atmosphere. So, we're losing the rockets, but, you know, technically, I guess you could have maybe reused the capsules, but I don't know if they did. Anyway. Um, now, if you know anything about the shuttle program, um, this is moving more into sad things. Unfortunately, um, we lost two shuttles uh, during the time that the shuttle program was running. And the first one was Challenger in 1986, the Challenger disaster. Uh, you might have heard of that. Um, basically, one of the 
as they were launching, uh, about eight seconds into their launch, they were, um, I think the first fuel tank was supposed to detach or something went wrong and uh, it ended up destroying the entire ship and the all seven crew members, including a teacher who was um, a civilian um, who was going to be traveling to space, uh, Krista McAlfee. So that was um, really just a, a really big tragedy. Wait, so there were people in the shuttle? There was seven people, yeah. Six crew along with a, a civilian. Oh. And so pretty much after that civilian travel, like kind of even that idea was pretty much off the table. Like we're, we're not sending civilians into space. Like it's just too high a risk. Um, mm-hmm. And and then um, later in 2003, uh, the Columbia disaster also happened. Um, this was actually on reentry. Uh, so they made it up into space just fine. They were on their way back and something happened on the re-entry where the shuttle got destroyed. And again, all seven crew um, tragically lost their lives. So uh, kind of with those two tragedies, especially with Columbia being kind of recent in everyone's mind in 2003, um, that was kind of when people were like, I don't, maybe we don't need to be doing this. Um, and so the shuttle program, that was kind of, started to move into what kind of became its last legs. Um, And in 2011 was the very last time that we launched a shuttle flight um, on board the Atlantis. And uh, that was its last mission in 2011. So the Atlantis actually, um, you can go see it. It's in the Kennedy Space Center. But that was the shuttle program at that point was officially uh, retired. And for a lot of Americans, uh, especially the astronauts and all the people working at NASA, it kind of felt like the nail in the coffin uh, a little bit, because at this point, there wasn't a plan to put humans in space, really. If you wanted to get into space, you had to go buy a ticket, <laughs> hop on one of the Russian rockets um, in order to get to the International Space Station. So we were still sending astronauts, but we weren't doing it from American soil. They would have to go to another space agency Um, And we basically buy them a ticket (laughs) and they would get launched uh, at a different agency. Okay, but didn't something happen recently where there was some big launch that you were really excited about? Yes, I'm so glad you brought that up, Emily. Good memory. (laughs) Thank you. Um, So this leads me. So that's kind of the history. We had the Apollo missions, the shuttle program, and really kind of the and all the while, you know, NASA is doing stuff with rovers and um, they're working on, you know, the different things. It's not like NASA was only doing human travel, but in terms of human travel, what we're kind of focusing on today that's that's kind of what the trajectory was and so after the shuttle program like you know i i watched an interview with one of the astronauts um he was actually the last astronaut to pilot the atlantis and he just you know he he just felt like that was it like they weren't ever going to launch humans from you know cape canaveral ever again and cape canaveral by the way is um at the kennedy space center that's in florida that's where all the launches happened like all the apollo missions all the like everything gets launched from cape canaveral Mm -hmm. so Moving on from history into where is human space travel going in the future? So, and this is leading into what Emily reminded us of. Have you heard of SpaceX? Yes. Do you know who Elon Musk is? Yes. For any of our listeners who don't get it with the 21st century, like (laughs) uh, he's basically the richest guy on earth, a bit of an eccentric, bit of a, you know, billionaire, crazy guy. But he, uh, he um, basically in 2002 kind of came up with this idea for a commercial space company. Um, And why is that such a big deal? Why, why is that a big deal? Well, I'm going to tell you why it's a big deal. One of the big things is, because I thought you were asking me and I was like, I don't know. (laughs) You were like, I I got your back. I got you. I felt like I was in high school class. <laughs> oh no, teacher! Oh, call on me! Don't raise your hand! Don't don't bring attention. Um, well, I will tell you because SpaceX um, was really one of the first commercial space agencies. And keep in mind, this is like the, all uh, all the space race stuff. All of this was government funded money. So this is taxpayer money. All of that is what paid for the Apollo programs. It's what pays NASA, even with the Soviets as well. Like all of it was government money. There was no private space agencies like that was not heard of. Um, but in the early 2000s, you know, we've got suddenly trillion and billionaires who are like, I've got a lot of money. What am I going to do with it? 
I'm going to go to space. <laughs> like, that's basically kind of what happened. Um, but SpaceX was the first. And um, and so Elon Musk starts developing this idea of like, okay, how am I going to make this commercial space agency? Um, and he, and, and you know, I, I think, you know, at the time he was a bit younger, you know, I think fame has done made him a bit more eccentric than when he was younger but um i saw kind of like interviews and he did like a 60 minute on spacex you know when he was first kind of developing it and i really think like you know he was kind of a young kid who got to realize a dream like he watched you know he watched the history um you know movies about space travel and like for him neil armstrong was like one of his heroes and he just i think you know seeing the shuttle program get closed down and all this stuff like that was the end of you know space travel for america like we were kind of nasa was not getting nearly the funding it did back in the 60s for good reason for obvious reasons um and so he kind of like he saw a need like i think the only way that human space travel at least in america that it can be sustained is it has to go into you know a private sector it has to be commercialized um and a lot of a lot of people were resistant to that especially astronauts um and just kind of nasa people in general you know they didn't want they didn't want it to become something that was about money and they didn't want to lose kind of the integrity of the adventurous spirit and you know the spirit of just let's do this for humanity not about you know making a buck um so people were a little bit resistant to it um, at first. And, um, you know, it took many years, but slowly they started developing um, what would become known as the Falcon rocket. Um, and the whole idea of this rocket was something that a rocket that could go up into space and come back because that had never been done before. We Every single time we ever sent up a rocket, we let it burn in the atmosphere. And the rockets really are one of the number one most cost you know, costly things. Part of the whole production is to get a rocket up there. Um, and so that was their big goal for SpaceX. Is they wanted to make a reusable rocket. And uh, it took a few years and it took failures and um, it took time. But eventually, it's crazy. They actually were able to do it. Like the Falcon rocket can go into space and come back down and land completely uh, intact and reusable. And it's actually really cool to see because it looks just like the movies. Like it goes up, you know, and as it's coming back down, it, it has these little legs that, you know, go out and you see as it like burns, the um, engine burns to slow it down. And then it just kind of slowly like lands on the little platform and they can do it with crazy precision. Um, and it's, I just, I think it looks really cool. <laughs> um, so, you know, technology, it's amazing. Um, SpaceX, what makes them kind of cool too, is they actually, so they actually have a, a launch pad lease with NASA, like NASA's leased a launch pad to them at Cape Canaveral. And so they launch their rockets from Cape Canaveral. Um, and they basically like bought a landing pad and they have it, you know, they have exclusive access to it. So like, I don't, it's, it's weird to me to think like, oh, you could lease a launch pad. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, Only I mean, it, if you're Elon Musk. Yeah, pretty much. Or Jeff Bezos. He has his own program or his own um, commercial space program as well. We'll get into that in a minute. Um, and so, yeah, it's just it's kind of a weird thing. But yeah, Blue Origin, that's Jeff Bezos company. Um, there's also Virgin Galactic. Um, so there's there's these companies that are coming out and it's just it's crazy. It's just crazy to me that this is like happening because, you know, this really can only happen with kind of how the world is developed where suddenly we have these gazillionaires who are like i have a ton of money and nothing to do with it well it takes a lot of money to make go into space and to make rockets so here you go <laughs> and they're doing it mm. um but uh, to its credit it did kind of in a way save the american space program at least for human space travel on may 30th in 2020 uh spacex launched two nasa astronauts uh into orbit and they um connected to the uh, international space station they went to the space station and that's that's what you were referencing that i was geeking out at because we were at work together at that time in 2020 and i was like oh my gosh this is like crazy like look what's happening um and that's what that was is because that was the first time in almost a decade that we launched humans from Cape Canaveral. And that, because you know, again, the shuttle program was the last thing that was, that had done that in 2011 and that was completely shut down. So there was no plan at the time from NASA to launch humans again. And so to have SpaceX come in and to launch humans from Cape Canaveral was just, it was really exciting a for everybody. Deal. It was a big deal. It was really invigorating because it wasn't going to happen unless SpaceX or another commercial company made it happen. 
Uh, and what I think is kind of cool and uh, endearing a little bit about that is actually the way that the Falcon 9 rocket works. And that's that's the rocket that sent them up into space, the Falcon 9. Um, it, uh, it functions just like the Saturn V in that there's a capsule at the top. And so it sends them up and then it releases the capsule. Um, and so it's exactly how the Apollo missions were. So we kind of went back a little bit to how they did it, um, which I thought was just kind of cool. So when the capsule returned a few days, um, or I think it was about a month later, after they finished their mission on the International Space Station, it, it was just like in the Apollo where, you know, they would go, they came through the atmosphere and then the chutes deployed, the parachutes and the capsule would land in the ocean and then we'd go pick them up. So wow. it's kind of cool. Um but yeah, it, it's just, it's like I said, it's mind-blowing to me. Um, SpaceX has said that they want to build a station on the moon with uh, the intention to eventually colonize Mars. <laughs> and so that's kind of their, their long-term goal, what they want to do. Um, and that's that's the kind of their future. And it's just, and it's just crazy that, you know, I, I kind of think it could happen because this is not taxpayer money you know like if spacex wants to try and get to mars and they have their own money funded by you know billionaires and what other other investors like they can do what they want they're a private company so i don't mm-hmm. know i think it could happen interesting and uh, you know i I was kind of reading up on spacex and elon musk and like i said i know there's lots of especially once he acquired twitter there's been a lot of different um, controversy and stuff kind of surrounding him. But um, I think SpaceX kind of proved that, you know, there's still a drive in people to want to explore. And, you know, maybe that's ego or, you know, you can kind of call it what you want. But like, to me, I think it's really cool that SpaceX and other companies like it are kind of continuing, you know, what NASA started um, with human space travel. And because I think I think you just... I don't know. I just think it's so cool that we have the opportunity to like kind of push beyond what is humanly possible and like really just start to look at like space and what's out there. And I don't know. I think it's I think it's cool. So I think it's um, something that's exciting and worth kind of keeping your eye on and seeing what they're up to and what they're doing. And, um, you know, it it wasn't always easy for them. Um Actually, the first time that they launched their uh, Falcon rocket, the first three launches failed each time and each time the rocket was destroyed. Um, And so between kind of 2005, 2009 was when they were launching those rockets. And so around 2009, when that third one failed, um, SpaceX almost went into like bankruptcy and they almost like failed um, completely. And uh, but ultimately they were able to kind of pull through. And it's just I don't know. I just think it's an enduring story. So I, I like it. I'm excited to see where they go and what they do and all of the accomplishments that they're making. I mean, again, to be the first, I mean, like I said, there are now at this time other commercial agencies like Blue Origin, um, but I think SpaceX kind of, they got the early jump to everything. And I think that the fact that they were able to get, you know, astronauts into space and they were the first to do that, the first, and they've been doing launches now. I mean, you know, the 2020 launch was super significant because it launched people. But before that, I mean, SpaceX has been sending up hundreds of rockets, um, you know, to get different satellites, to get some uh, supplies up to the space station, to get payloads. Like they've established that their rocket works. (laughs) It lands where it's supposed to. And um, they can do it a lot more cheaply than ever has been done before. So do they have their um, own staff or do they work with NASA? It's a little bit of both. They have their own staff. Um, When they developed the Falcon 9 rocket, that was done through engineers outside of NASA. Um, But at this point, like, they have actually a lot of contracts with NASA. Like, NASA literally is like, yo, we're going to contract you to, like, you know, take this payload up to space. We're going to contract you to get this astronaut. You know, like, NASA, basically, they work very closely with, um, and they're basically, like, NASA's like, hey, we're not as good as you, so while you're up there, can you, <laughs> can you, can take you do care our of work for us, please? Thank you. Yep. Please and thanks. <laughs> well, cause, again, because they don't have the budget anymore. They don't have the money. Uh, you know, they don't. they didn't have the opportunity to build rockets that could potentially be reusable because they just didn't have the money to research that so um but i will say the nasa is planning um artemis missions uh which are kind of underway i think in either um 
like 2023 or four, maybe even five, they're looking to actually get people back to the moon, uh, specifically a woman and uh, someone of color. So they're trying to diversify a little bit since at this oh. point, only old white dudes have landed on the moon. So I, I had a feeling that might disappoint you a little bit, but... Because it's got to be equal opportunity up in space. You know, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta try. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but that's where it's all headed for the future. So that's the past into the present. I feel like I... That is that is space travel. I just made myself sound like bad because I was like, oh, equal opportunity. No, I'm all for equal opportunity, but <laughs> I'm not all about spending money to get more people into space and do the exact same things that we have done. Maybe collect a couple different rocks than we have this last time. <laughs> yeah. Just had to make myself clear there. Yeah, I appreciate that. I appreciate that clarification. But that's but now you know, Emily, that's human space travel. We've sent people to the moon and to the International Space Station, and that's it. <laughs> and some people have orbited. Okay, I have one question. Oh, just one. Yeah. Uh, approximately how much money has been wasted on this stuff? Well, you don't have to worry about that, Emily, because it's not your money. It's all <laughs> privately funded. So don't worry. You're okay. <laughs> I mean, some oh, small part of Before it your- wasn't privately no, well, and that's what I said, 236. That was the Apollo program. So I'm not sure about the space shuttle. It was definitely less than that. Nothing could compare to the Apollo missions, um, but it was still, I'm sure, in the billions. So crazy. Yeah, it is a little crazy. But like I said, your tech, at this point, your tax paying dollars are not going. I mean, it's probably what, like, I don't know how percentages work, but like maybe 1% of your money's going to that or something. I don't know. It's a very, it's a small amount comparatively to what it used to be. Hmm. Okay. Poor Emily. You stuck with it. I appreciate you. So at this point, like I said, you know the history. What is your life lesson? Um, my life lesson is to not take for granted calculators and (laughs) your phone and like all these modern technologies that we have, because I really feel for the people who had to do all that work. Oh, I know. What's your life lesson? Um, I didn't touch on this a whole lot, but I'll maybe touch on it and just for my, my life lesson portion. Um, the moon landing is real. <laughs> Don't listen to conspirators. Not only did they spend 236 million or billion, sorry, billion dollars on this, but they employed hundreds of people. We literally have the rocks from the moon and they're different than any earth rock. Um, every single, like I've watched conspiracy stuff and like every single one of the things that people say can be proven that like, okay, you think this, but actually like one of the big things is like the, the photos and how like, um, the crosshairs and some of them disappear. And it's like, well, in space, it, everything functions a little differently. And also it's not like earth. And the moon is very bright. And so things look a little different. And some of the things don't interact like how they would on Earth. And we're all like, there's just, there's a lot of, there's Google's amount of proof as to that we did this and we accomplished it. Don't listen to the conspiracies. And so I just, to me, that's, it's an incredible achievement. It's an important part of history. And uh, I'm excited to see what happens to space in the future. But my life lesson, we landed on the moon. Don't let anyone tell you different. You heard it here first. Heard it here. (laughs) You heard it here. First.